All right, let's come. In your Bibles, turn. Well, just open them. Let's start there. Exodus 15, 13 says this. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Let me read that again. Exodus 15, verse 13 says, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Who's part of that company? In your unfailing love. How many believe in the unfailing love of God? So if you've received the unfailing love of God, you can also expect to be led in strength and be led and guided to the place of God's dwelling. It's unfailing. If it's unfailing, it never fails. Amen? And last time I spoke to you, it seems like since I came back from Malaysia, uh, a week, after a week and a bit, you know, there's so much I received when I was in Malaysia, I couldn't tell you one thing, but I've received a lot of stuff. But the first Sunday I walked back into the church and I picked the microphone up, not to preach, it was during the worship, I picked the microphone up, I found three phrases coming out of my spirit and as I spoke the three, three phases coming out of my spirit, it's almost like the words came out in front of me and presented themselves and I, my own spirit and my own ears heard what was coming out of my own spirit. Does that make sense? Because sometimes when you're speaking for God, sometimes faith has to come and it comes by hearing. And sometimes you're saying something, your spirit hears what you're saying and it catches it. So even though you're saying it, your spirit hasn't always caught it until it hears it. Does that make sense? And that's why you need an audible voice for everything God is saying and doing in your life. It's only until you start speaking about it that something captures your heart. And anyway, and I found myself as I was speaking, three phrases came out. And the phrase was, stand up, step in, and stay in. Stand up, step in, and stay in. Good to have you back, John, by the way. Thank you. John's been to Zambia. I heard you were preaching out there. Wow. You didn't know I know that, did you? I have my spies in Zambia who told me. Ah! <laughs> Good on you. Good on you. So Zambia's saved now, is it? Good. Amen. In your unfailing love, you lead us. You've redeemed us. And you have redeemed us. In your own strength and your... And you will guide us to your, the place of your holy dwelling. So, step, stand up. Step in. Stay in. Stay in focused. And these words have gripped my spirit so much that when I'm praying and when I'm thinking and when I'm writing, these three core phrases are just hitting me all the time in my spirit. And I said to Carol, I feel like God is pumping me up on the inside and I'm about to explode. And yet I find myself also in the midst of sadness and mourning over my brother-in-law. So here I am, I've got two, I've got a dichotomy of the, of, well it's not a dichotomy, I've got the soul and the spirit are both experiencing something totally different. So even in the midst of mourning, God can speak to your spirit. And it's important that I don't shut down. But it's also very important that I acknowledge and give strength to my family. But at the same time, I was asking God, God, why am I not crying? When it was my mother, I cried like a baby for two weeks. And I remember standing up saying, Lord, I don't want to cry anymore. And God gave me a revelation about mourning. I don't mean Sunday morning, morning. And it was, and forgive the illustration, but it's how God spoke to me. It's like a toilet. And when you flush the toilet chain, and not looking that way, looking at the box here. When the toilet is flushed, all the water goes down, and you can hear the water filling up, can't you? Until it reaches to a certain point, and it automatically switches off. 
Right, so when the water's draining out the toilet, the water goes down, and it hits a certain point, and straight away the system says it needs to be filled up again. I found that when I was mourning, I mourned until I, my soul had hit the switch when it said, it's now time to fill up. You've mourned. A time of mourning has now passed. It's now time to fill up. And that's just a natural thing going on inside of me at the time. But I got understanding of it. So it's important, guys, that we mourn. Because the system needs to be emptied. And it needs to be filled back up again. You can't force it, but it's also good to let it out. And mourning can come in many, many different ways and at different times. But I asked the Lord, Lord, why am I not mourning? The Lord says to me, because you've always told me, you complained when your mother died to me. You said, you said that, how come you say, this is me saying to the Lord, you draw close to the brokenhearted. He said, I'm a lot closer than you ever think. Even when you're mourning, I'm still close. But you think mourning is me being far away. No. Mourning is still God close. What God's saying to me is, I need you to be strong for the others around you right now. So when I'm writing my eulogy for David yesterday, and it's a good job I'm on my own, I can feel some tears rising up, and it's okay, so for me to share that, because it's a man thing to cry. Irrespective of what people tell you, it's a man thing to cry. What isn't a man thing is when you're crying every day. But at certain times, it's good for men to cry. Now, sometimes you may need to empty all your tank. Other times, your water level just drop a little bit, and it'll fill up. So I feel strong, even though I feel tender. Does that make sense? Just letting you know what's going on. So don't think one day, any given day, I can feel tender. If I'm in my soul, I feel tender. If I'm in my spirit, I feel like I knock the snot out of something. And this is how my spirit feels. I'm in the throes of writing something for the nation because Brexit will not let me go. And I'm in the throes of writing something. And I'm thinking, God, how am I going to be received if I write this? He said, you just write it, son, get it out. And I'm in the throes. And everything I write, I feel this phrase of stand up, step in, stay in. To stand up is to, have, to get to be an alert, to have attention. Yeah. To step in is to be, is to be focused. Yeah. To stay in is to be committed. When I stood up to Carol, I was fully attentive that my bride was coming down the aisle and this is the moment to stand up, to step in and to stay in covenant. True? And 34 years later, we're still in the same place. I stayed in. And many of you have done the same. And last week we had a covenant right here in front of the church at the wedding. And it was a beautiful day. And the couple who turned up didn't look too bad neither. (laughs) But it was a fantastic day. Everything was cool. Everything was good. The food was fantastic. And I want to thank everyone who contributed because last week was outstanding. Amen. Amen. It was an all-rise event and you all arose. Those who came did, obviously. Those who didn't stayed in bed or on holiday, whatever. And it was a fantastic day. And I want to thank everybody who stayed in did what they said they were going to do and honoured the word. (coughs) But I'm believing that in the midst of my dichotomy of soul and spirit, his unfailing love will lead me. His unfailing love will lead me. His unfailing love will lead you. Whatever we're going through, whatever we're about to go through, whatever is about to happen to us, God's unfailing love will lead us. And I want to talk to you about this unfailing love this morning because I really feel to stand up and say something this morning. Psalm 43, if you'd like to turn to Psalm 43, verse 3. And whatever you're going through, maybe you need to start off with this psalm. And I'll move you to another psalm in a minute, but this psalm 
Put in your, in your Bible this week and start praying this, by, uh, this verse over your life. Psalm 43, verse 3. And it says, send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them, let them bring me to your holy mountain. To the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my, my joy and my delight. And I'll praise you with the harp, O oh God, my God. And then he says this. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? The soul is in a dichotomy. The soul is being harassed here. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise my Saviour, my God. And here the writer has got something going on in his, in his soul. But his spirit speaks first. And then he lets us know what his soul's feeling. You cannot find the ways of God, the will of God, the, the presence of God without truth and light. Everything starts with truth and light. Have you noticed this? This is why for Richard and Greta, they need truth and light in their family so the government of God can rest upon their family. Hello? So he says, send forth your light and your truth. These are very, very key ingredients. When we don't have light and truth, we stumble in darkness. And we struggle, we struggle and we get frustrated and we say, God, where are you? Why haven't you come to my aid? Lord, you've abandoned me. Don't you love me anymore? And it's amazing how we always bring everything to, don't you love me anymore? But we've just read in Exodus that in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed in your strength. Now I've got to decide, John, am I one of those he loves? Am I loved? So, are we one of those who God loves? Okay, that's one question. Let me ask you another question. Are you one of those out of all those who God loves? So are you loved? Do you feel loved? Is that today? Is it only today? Right, so you can trust in God's unfailing love that he will lead you in his strength. Irrespective of storm, trial or circumstance. I have to believe in God's unfailing love. That it will lead me. So when my soul comes under bombardment, my soul will tell me things contrary to my spirit. Because my soul is emotional. My soul will look at the lack and then accuse God for the lack. Think about it. I don't feel, therefore it must be the truth. I don't feel loved. I don't feel that God's near me. So therefore, God must be a million miles away. And God's it's almost like God saying, I'm stood right next to you. Yeah, that's fine. I'm stood right next to you. Not only am I in you and around you, I'm stood right next to you. But I can't feel you. That's not the same as him not being there. The truth is, God's there. The lie that you're being, being told is because your feelings can't feel him. Your faith is being shut down. Because I can't love God and live God and walk with God by feelings. I have to walk by faith. I've got to take his word to the grave if I have to. His unfailing love will lead me. Where do you think God's unfailing love is leading leading David right now? Where do you think he's led him? Right to the presence of God. David right now is in the presence of God. Why? Because the moment David gave up his breath, the angels took him and took him to the place of unfailing love. God didn't leave him down here. God took his spirit. We will say goodbye to the body on Wednesday. But David's not in the body. David's gone. His spirit now to be absent in, in, what does it say? To be absent in the body, to be present with the Lord. He's far better. Now, right now, David's not got Parkinson's disease. David's completely free. He don't need a body. Parkinson's disease belongs to flesh and blood. Spirit doesn't have sickness. That's why there's no mourning, no crying, no sickness up in heaven. Because there ain't no sickness up in heaven. 
So then he says, let your truth and your light, let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain. There's a place where God wants to lead us to. And we sang about it just a minute ago. Welcome to Zion. Then I'll go to the altar of God, my joy and my delight, and I'll praise you. And then he stops and he goes, it's like he has a word with himself. He looks in the mirror and he goes, why so downcast? Oh, my soul. Have a word with yourself. Why am I so disturbed within me? And right now, I feel disturbed in my soul and disturbed in my spirit because I feel like God's pumping my spirit up, but yet my soul feels deflated. And you know what? I love that about God because God's compensating for what's lacking in the soul. God's supplying it in the spirit. Hello? And if some of you would just allow that transition... You'd be far better off if God can supply more to your spirit than you want him to keep supplying to your soul. You will be far better off and more stronger. Because when I'm weak, then I am strong. Think of this. How can I be weak and be strong? Because in my soul and body I may be weak, but in my spirit I can be strong. So it really depends on where God is allowed to breathe and speak will determine where the strength or the weakness will be. So notice the journey. It starts with a conscious recognition that something that you need is absent. So what do you need right now that is absent in your situation or in your life right now? That's what you need God to send to you. What is absent right now in your situation? What is missing? What do you feel is missing that's making you weak or miserable or downcast? You think, well, I'm not miserable, weak or downcast. Good then. Put a smile on your face. I'm not miserable. I'm not weak. I'm not downcast. Right then. So then your spirit should be in a place of strength. But if I am, what's missing? What is troubling you? Talk to the Lord. God, and out of what's wrong with you, you must ask God to supply light and truth. Because light and truth will elevate you above your circumstances. Because you and I want our circumstances to change immediately the moment we pray. But your Bible tells you, and my Bible tells me, that God is in the trials. God is in the trials. That's how faith, righteousness, holiness, sanctification is all birthed through the trials. Because that's how you trust. That's how God develops you on the inside. None of us want a trial, but it's here. So you must ask God, what's lacking? What do we need? And let God send it to you. Richard and Greta said, we need government. Right, so let government come. A conscious prayer is spoken by you to God to send you his light and his truth. You need his light and truth so that you can be guided and guarded through the darkness. The light and truth sent to you. When the moment God sends light and truth to you, do you know the next place you're going with it? Right into his presence. Send your light and your truth. Let them guide me and bring to your holy mountain to the place where you dwell. That's the presence of God. If the light and truth that you receive this morning does not bring you deeper into the presence of God, then it's not light and truth. You see, since I came back from Malaysia... This light and this truth is pushing me deeper and deeper into God's presence. Because I need answers. I feel like Jeremiah says, when this word, if I don't speak it, it's like fire shut up in my bones. And if I don't speak, I'm going to explode. And yet, I have this dichotomy, the soul is downcast, but the spirit is on fire. And the fire's burning on the inside. But which one will I listen to? Well, you know the truth? Both of them have need attention. It's not one or the other. Never make that mistake. 
The only difference is, my friend, is how much attention you give to them both. It's right for me to mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. And blessed are those who mourn with others. So it's right, but you must determine how long your soul will mourn. It's right. Because if the soul's messed up, your spirit man will be messed up eventually. So you need to pay attention to you. But at the same time, you must live. Let your spirit govern the other side. Not let your soul govern your spirit. So you must be above the situation rather than below it. Because if your emotions will speak, they'll always shut down your spirit. Why? Because the first thing your emotions say is, I don't feel like praying today. I'm just not in the mood today. So your soul has shut down your spirit. So therefore, rivers of living water cannot flood into your spirit. And you cannot be lifted up and taken to the place of God's dwelling. Where you find peace and security and strength. Hear me, church. This is important. You're listening to a man who's in the midst of grief, so I can tell you these things. And yet, I'm not breaking down and crying in front of you. Might be on Wednesday. As your heart becomes captured, where the Spirit will lead you then is to the altar. And it's at the altar you lay your burdens down. It's at, your bird, it's at the altar you lay your weaknesses down. It's at the altar you lay your indifference down. It's at the altar you lay your attitude down. Why? Because truth has led you to this place, so you're no longer fighting. You want to get it out. There's nothing worse if I've got to try and convince John that he needs to change his attitude and bring him to the altar. It'll never happen unless truth directs him. Truth from the inside, I don't need to say anything. It'll lead him right into the presence of God. And in the presence of God, he'll look at his, he'll look at his darkness in the midst of God's light. Yeah, and see his own darkness. Yeah. And go, you know what, Lord? I haven't got an argument. Get it out of me, Lord. Just get it out of me. I don't want to be, I don't want to live like this. I don't want this attitude. I don't want this to be like a knot. I don't want it to be, to be dictating to my future. Or to my present circumstance. Lord, Lord, clean me out. I don't like what, I, what I'm living with. I don't like what I'm feeling. I don't like the, what, my attitude towards that person. God, clean it out. Let your light shine right through me. Has anybody found, been in that place? You've got to go to that place. Regular. Numbers chapter 12. And this is the scripture. Well, this is part of one of the scriptures I feel about our nation. And I have a whole new revelation and insight on how we need to pray for our nation. <coughs> God spoke to me about it. You know, the Lord who tells you to pick the javelin up and not put it down is the same Lord who will give you light in how to keep your javelin in your hand. So it's not enough for God to say, pick it up. But God will send me the necessary light in how to hold the javelin in your hand. Why? Because this is the same God, watch, who says, Tony, stand up. Tony, step in. Tony, stay in. So as to do that, you need the javelin. And the javelin is the sign of authority. As you hold it out over situations and you keep it in your hand, it's the weapon of righteousness that's to help you disperse darkness. Disperse darkness. So in the, in the New Testament, your javelin would be the word of God. In your mouth. By the spirit behind it. The spirit is the bow. The word is the arrow. And you must give it. Amen. So... Numbers 12, verse 5, he says, Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, and he stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam, when both of them stepped forward. How many stepped forward? Come on, church, tell me. How many of them stepped forward? Both of them stepped forward. He said this, Listen to my words. So there is a stepping forth before God begins to speak the next line. Hello? Some of us want God to speak and stay sat down. 
Some of us want to remain in the same position, sat down and expect God to speak. But the first thing, whatever happens, read it all the way through the Bible. Whenever God says something strong to somebody, prophetically, the first thing he always says is, stand up. And get ready to receive what I'm about to say to you. So there must be a posture in your heart that says, stand up and come to attention. Because he who is about to speak, is speaking with a purpose. So he says this, so when they both step forward, listen to my words, when a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Wow. Now, let's make sense of this. There'll be some times when the prophet of the Lord will stand in your midst and speak. And he will tell you what he's seen and what he's heard of the Lord. Does that sound New Testament to you? However, what happens when a prophet is not amongst you? Did we not read that his unfailing love will lead us? Did we not read? Let me just go back to that scripture. Did we not read that send forth your light and your truth? And they lead us into his presence and to his altar. So is it fair to say that God Almighty, in your relationship with God Almighty through the spirit of truth, is it not possible that you yourself directly can have an encounter with God? Come on, is it not true? Do I always need a prophet before I can connect with God? Right. But when one's there... We still need to listen. And that's one attention. But the other attention is, you also can be led right directly into the presence and see what the prophet's not seeing. Why? Because God's speaking to you directly. When, God, when, when the prophet speaks, he might be speaking to us. He might also speak to you, by the way. But the issue is, if the prophet's not speaking... You must have access to the presence of God so God can speak to you. And in that presence, Moses saw the form of the Lord. Wow. And you have entered into a dimension far more than Moses ever did. You're seated in heavenly places. Read the book of Hebrews. They never reached the place where you're reached. But they did not waver. They stayed in. And it's staying in the presence of God that's going to bring the goodness of God upon your life. You can't just okie-cokie, in, out, I'll shake it all about. I'll do the okie-cokie and I'll wonder what it's all about. That's charismatic Christianity. Stand up. Step in. Stay in the presence. There's only one way to follow Christ. Stay and walk in the Spirit. At all times, stay and walk in the Spirit. So then he says this. How many of you believe that when Jesus, when he went, watch this. When Jesus went to the throne, to the cross, this chair was behind the curtain. This is called the veil. This is called the mercy seat. Okay, the mercy seat is defiled because the, the sacrifice, or should I say, it's not defiled. It's not been cleansed because the sacrifice has not been made. You cannot get to the mercy seat because he's behind the veil. Right? And the Bible says the Jewish nation to this day still cannot receive the mercy seat because every time they pray, there's a veil in front of their eyes. So Jesus Christ, here we go. I call out to Jesus. I call out to Jesus and Jesus hears me and, I, and he steps into my heart and I step into his love. Okay? So I call out to Jesus, stand up. I have an awareness that there's a presence here. I step into the presence. Right? 
So now Jesus is in me and I'm in Jesus. So what Jesus does, he takes me by the hand. He takes me into the Father's throne room where no one else can go. He removes the veil. And as he removes the veil, I find that the mercy seat has been cleansed. So now I can sit down with Christ Jesus. And I can rule and reign with Christ Jesus who sat at the right hand of his Father. Right? Are you with me? So then Jesus, uh, the Father says to his Son, stay there until I make all your enemies a footstool. Right, stop there. The Father says, me and the Holy Ghost and the church will go downstairs and we will enforce kingdom rule and we will make all your enemies and bring them under your footstool. The Father, the Holy Ghost and the church together will do this work on the earth. So we're now co-laborers and partners with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we've now got access into the very presence. But guess what keeps leading you into the presence? Truth and light. Truth and light. And as I walk in the Spirit, and, I'm, and the Spirit is in me, He guides me and leads me in all truth. The tr- what truth? The truth that the Father and the Son are speaking. He takes the Holy Ghost, that is. He takes what He hears, and He reveals it to you. Why? So you can find the secret place and stay in the holy place. Because I'm going to show you in a minute, if you just stay with me. The holy place is the, on, is the only place. Everyone say with me. The holy place is the only place from which I'm safe. The holy place is the only place I'm safe. I focus and work from the holy place. The holy place is the only place I am safe. And I'll show you this in a second because I know you don't believe me. Will you stay with me for a second? It's going to bless you. Psalm 84 verse 3 says, Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself. So even the animals can find a place where she may have her young. A place near your altar. So even the birds find a place near God's altar. Almighty God, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Why is his house? His house is God's representative, God's habitation on the earth. God's house. Which house are we talking about? This? No. This. This. So when we all corporately gather together, this is a house for his dwelling. God doesn't live here. When you close the door, he doesn't live it on his own. Because if he did, we wouldn't have got burgled. Think about it. Don't get religious. We don't lock God in and leave him here. God doesn't sit here and say, oh, I've been waiting for you. Where have you all been? God says, take me out with you. God's not interested to some degree about our building. Why? He said they gave you power and authority to exercise in your own territory. You guard it. I gave you authority to do that. Yeah. So, blessed are those whose strength is in you, have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Are you going anywhere? Yes. Ah, I'm going home. No, no, no. Are you going anywhere? Blessed are those who set their heart, who have stood up, stepped in, and stayed in. I'm going somewhere. My heart is set on something. Oh. Blessed Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength. Oh, you know the scripture. Till each appears before God. Where? In. Can we get to Zion before we die? Is it possible for us to appear in Zion before we die? Is it possible to appear before Zion in strength? Why? Because he is, we're walking in the spirit. So go to Psalm 91. And I'm bringing this thing to a conclusion. Psalm 91. So you've been cleansed by the mercy seat. Is that okay? 
So this scripture is for many of you this morning. This is my main scripture. Psalm 91. He who dwells. Do we have a he and a she who dwells this morning? In the shelter of the Most High. What does he say? Read the next thing. Read the next verse for me, if you will. All together, after three. One, two, three. Will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So there is a promise there. He who dwells will rest. He who dwells will rest. The holy place is the only place. He who dwells finds rest. Why is the rest in my spirit right now, but there's not in my soul? Because I found rest in the holy place. He who dwells. Do we have any dwellers? Listen, it gets even better. He is my refuge, my fortress. My God, when was the last time you stood up and looked at yourself in the mirror and said, God Almighty, Tony, get yourself together. You've got nothing to be sorry about, son. He is my God. He is my fortress. He is my refuge. When was the last time you spoke to yourself like that? In whom I trust. In whom I trust. Surely, he will save you from the fowler's snare. Mm. Let me tell you who the fowler is. He's not somebody who plays on a football field. He's not called Robbie Fowler. This fowler has deadly pestilence. Listen to what he says in verse 4. He will cover you. Now the father is talking about. He will cover you with the feathers And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Woo! Now all the benefits preclude, are precluded, should say, by one distinct thing. You cannot have the benefits unless you don't step into the shelter of the Most High. You and I are villains of wanting God to bring his dwelling place to us. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. God will never bring his dwelling place to you. He'll send his light and his truth and he'll let you make the journey to him. God says, I'm always here waiting for you, son. I'll send whatever you need, son, to bring you to me. I know some of you don't like that gospel. When you were lost, Jesus came for you. But once you're saved, he put a GPS inside you so you always know where the Father is. Oh yeah. You have no problem knowing where the altar is. You just have the battle with your will. You always know the place. You always know what you've got to do. You know you've got to get on your knees. You've got to submit. You've got to worship. And most of us don't want to do that. And we expect God just to sprinkle some pixie dust on us and make us all good and nice and feel all charismatic again. God says, Blah. As they pass through the valley, whoo, they will make a place of springs. In other words, the water in that system, they've got supply. It will make a place, springs of autumn rain, also covered its pools. You know, last night it rained. Didn't it not feel good? Can you, could you not hear the plants rejoicing? Could you, not hear, could you not hear creation saying, At last! We never thought Manchester could be so dry! And all of a sudden, a dry, barren land became fertile. I saw the calf skipping this morning. The deer. The reservoirs rejoicing. And United Utilities doing a... Oh, it's, all right. it's, not, it's not a nose pipe then. Sorry. Listen, all a drought will ever do is, re- is reveal the mismanagement. Yeah. 
So let's get to the fowler's snare. This implies, now think of it, if you're a poacher and you're a fowler, and you're using, a poacher's using a fowler's snare, a trap, you will use secrecy. And you'll creep up on your prey. Does that sound like somebody? Yeah. Yeah. He, he sets a trap deliberately to capture his prey in his snare. Does that sound some like somebody I know? Yeah. A fellow who's a liar and a thief yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. That's a fowler. So, what traps are being set for you right now? You don't know, that's right. So you need some truth and light to guide you. Yeah. The fowler's snare. Do you know the fowler depend on, on, on what he's hunting for, he will change his tactics. If he's hunting duck, if he's hunting grouse, or he's hunting deer, he'll set different traps for different animals. John's a different animal from me. John's got taste that I don't have taste. John's got likes that I don't have. John's got inner ambitions that I don't have, vice versa. The enemy knows what traps to set for him. You need to know who you are and where your weaknesses are. Some of you have, or some of us, have a lust for more money than we ever need. No matter how much money you get, it's never enough. Some of us have a propensity towards sexual things, whether it's watching it, Doing it, observing from a distance. For others, it's materialism. You've never got the latest. You're never happy with the latest. Some of you got beautiful homes that we've never been in. For others, it's debt. Why? Because you just live out of what you don't have. Some of you, some of us have been driven by career. I want to be achieved. I want to achieve. For others, it's pride and stubbornness. These are just traps. What about recognition? Acknowledgement and validation. These set people on different courses. And you know, the animal, the, the, the enemy, the fowler, will lead his snare on the path that's driving you. Never look at what nice car someone's driving. Never get taken up by somebody driving a Lamborghini or a nice Range Rover. Half of the time, he's never been paid for anyway. You go on Moss Side, you'll see young guys driving nice Beamers and Mercs, and they've only hired them for the weekend. Just so they can drive up and down the road, telling all the Azizams, all the girls, look at me, I've got a Mercedes. But you don't own it, you dipstick. Is that not true, Scott? They won't let them hire, wouldn't hire them out. Some of the, uh, is it uh, Enterprise, wouldn't hire them out, would they? Some of them. The thing is, it's not what you're driving, it's what's driving you. It's what's driving you. Why do I need to get in a flash car to look good for people I don't know? Why drive a 50 grand, 60 grand car and then go and eat a five, five pound kebab? <laughs> Come on. Is that not true? We're all driving nice and eating poor. Grow up. You know, when the bird comes down from the sky, it comes down for profit. It comes down for food. It comes down for sustenance. What will bring you down to earth? What is it going to take to bring you down to earth? Okay. Do you know, we've got this issue right now in our, in our house, and not your house, our houses. On the field, the mice come in. Every now and then, Mice come in. And every now and then you can hear them running in the rafters. And it freaks Scott out. And sometimes it annoys, us, it annoys me no end. So we have to buy these gel pads. Have you ever seen these gel pads? And what I like about the gel pad, it's just like 
This is how I see Satan attacking Christians. I say to Scott every time, you do not have to struggle to catch a mouse. It's the easiest thing in the world to catch a mouse. How? How? Put a gel pad on the floor, put a piece of food on the mat, and the animal is bound by its own nature. Its own nature will go and pick up the scent of the food, step on the mat, and he's gone. Because once he gets on the mat, he can't move. It's like quicksand. It's like that. And he'll tire himself out. And in the morning, you see, you see a little mouse. He's like, oh, don't get me now. Oh, you're going to get it. <laughs> Go to Jesus. But he can't step off the mat. Why? Because he's compelled by his nature. He doesn't tell his mates, they've got glue mats in this house, tell them all. No, he never tells his pals. He just steps on and goes, oh, oh no, I'm gone. The enemy knows the glue pad. He knows which glue pad for you to stand on. Why? Because he doesn't want John getting to the secret place. He wants John in the ordinary place. Let me read you this poem. The closer pursuer, the sort of the close pursuer's busy hands do plant. Snares in thy substance, snares attend thy want. Snares in the credit, snares in the disgrace. Snares in the high estate, snares in thy base. Snares took thy bed and snares surround the board. Snares watch the thoughts and snares attach the words. Snares in the quiet, snares in the commotion. Snares in the diet, snares in the devotion. Snares lurk in the resolves, snares in thy doubt. Snares lie within the heart and snares within your doubt. Snares above the head and snares beneath. Snares in the sickness and snares are in the death. In other words, snares are everywhere. They're everywhere. So, let's go back to Psalm 91 seconds. Pick up verse from verse 5. You will not fear the terror of night. Because who's in the terror of the night? The snare. The foulest snare. Nor the arrow that flies by day. Nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Nor the plague that destroys at midday. Notice the fowlers around in the night and the day. The midday. But it says, you will not fear the terror. Nor the arrow. Nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Because that's where he keeps his snare. Nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand even at your right hand. But it will not come near you. Come on, who? You. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the... Oh, here it is again. If you make the most high your dwelling, your... <coughs> even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. The holy place is more important than the common place. If you're in the normal place, the snares... Are always there. This is what happens. Once I find the place, the dwelling place of God, I'm protected. I'm in the shadow of the Most High. Nothing can come to me. The devil can't get into heaven. He is not allowed in heaven. Oh, but Pastor, you tell us, you tell us, God's not, uh, He's not allowed in heaven. Well, what about in Job? That was in Job before the mercy seat was cleansed. That devil's not allowed in heaven anymore. Why? Because the New Testament would lie because he says, in heaven there's no sickness, no doubt. is sickness. The devil is sickness. The veil has been torn for you and I. The only way through is by the blood of the Lamb. And last time I looked, Satan has not been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And never will he. So whatever theology you hear about Satan coming into, the, into the God's presence, it's gone. That did happen, but not now. He's banished. 
But you and I can boldly come right through into his presence. No devil can come there, but you can. So it makes sense to dwell in the most... That's why it's the secret place, because not everyone can get in. And only the Holy Ghost shows us the way. The devil can't get in. Every time he gets in, he bangs his head. He says, I used to have a, a pass it. Let me swipe it. No, access code has been changed. No, not changed. Denied. If you make the most out of your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, John. No disaster will come near you, John, nor your tent. He will command his angels. Oh, hang on. Now I've got help. He'll command his angels concerning you. He will, cons- he will command his angels concerning you, Mary. You, David. He will command his angels according to his word to Come to my aid, to your aid. Why? Because he'll always protect those who call on his name. I can take this to the bank. No harm will befall you, no disaster will come near you, your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up, they will lift you up. They will lift you up. They will lift you up. In their hands. Divine reinforcements. So that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So watch this. Did it say that that things won't come against me? No. But when they do, I can just shake them off. It might come near me, but I'm not going to fall. Why? Because I'm making the Lord the most high. Sickness can't stick to me. Do you know what they say about snakes? The higher you go up in an altitude, snakes can only go so far. And they can't breathe. The higher they go, they can't breathe. So my advice to you is climb high. And starve that snake of oxygen. Well, how do you do that? By not giving him, not giving in to his ways and his thoughts and his suggestions. Because he's a liar. He's a thief. And it's always been a liar and a thief from the beginning, the Bible tells me. So why do I want to listen to a liar? And then he says this, you'll tread upon the lion and the cobra. There's that snake. How do I do that? By light and truth. You'll trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I'll rescue him and protect him for he acknowledges my name. That's not someone who just comes to church. He will call upon me and I will answer him. He will call upon me, she will call upon me, they will call upon me, and I will answer. And I will answer. And I will answer. That is a 100% confidence, affirmative I should say, that I will answer you if you talk to me and make me the most high. Woo! And I will be with him, her, in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Whoop-de-doo. Zippity-doo-dah. Now, can you tell me anyone, because I know I'm talking to Bible scholars here this morning, can you tell me, out of this whole Psalm 91, from Exodus 13 we read, his divine love, his nature will lead us. Did everyone read that scripture? Yes, you did. Can you ever tell me, in all, from the front to the back, can you ever tell me, When did love ever create cancer? Oh, come on. Surely you must find it in there. 66 books. Can you pick it up? When did love ever create cancer? John, can you find it? You're a scholar. Come on. You're a preacher now. I've heard you've been preaching. 
When did love ever create cancer? When did love ever create Parkinson's disease? When did love ever create an absence of mothers and fathers and dysfunctional families? Are you sure about this? Are you positive about this? So why do we stand by and acknowledge it and let it happen? Isaiah says, surely he took up our affirmities. By his stripes, we are Peter says, by his stripes, you are healed. So, you were and you are. Whose word do you want to take? If you knew the power of the secret place, you would know that the enemy could not touch you in the normal place. I don't know anybody who's ever been attacked in the secret place, but I also I know a lot of Christians who live in the normal place, the ordinary place. Now, I'm not talking about you can't live life with your family, do your job. That's one sense, that's normal. But your heart is always on the plane of the higher place. Do you understand what I mean? So we're not talking about not living on the earth. We're talking about where does your heart live? Let's stand to our feet. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Your breakthrough is dependent upon how you receive this word. But you know what I can't do? I can't get in the I can't get in the holy place, the secret place for you. So, I ask you a question. What is it in your circumstance, troubles, obstacles in life? What is it you feel is absent and you need? What is it? Is it health? Is it financial breakthrough? Is it, is it someone to pick up the phone and have a conversation with you? What is it you need to know? From what you lack and what you need, the next question you need to, the next prayer you need to make is, Lord, send forth your light and your truth. Why? Because they need to lead me on a journey. So why don't you just go ahead now and just ask the Lord what you need to send it before I can move to the next level. Because I'm going to stand on us. I'm going to put my foot on a serpent in a minute. Come on, whatever you like, just ask the Lord right now. What is it you need? Ask him with all your heart. Lord, I need, genuinely need your truth, your light and your truth to shine in this area. I need you to take me from where I am to your secret place, your holy place where I can be brought to the altar where you can reveal things to me that only you can reveal things. Even the pastor can't reveal these things. Even my husband or my wife or my children. Father, this is an encounter I am asking with me and you. You see, very often people who want to be free from sickness don't want an encounter beyond deliverance. They're happy to be free, but they're not happy to go to the altar. They're not happy to come to the dwelling place of God. God is asking us to stand up, step in, and stay in. Oh, Father. Come on, church. I can't pray this prayer for you. This is your prayer, not mine. I'm doing my job here. I'm working well. Doing all I can. Father, right now. Robo Satarianda. Oh my God. Come on, shut the soul down and speak from the spirit. Shut the soul down and speak from the spirit. Ramba Baba Kiria Daraba Shitero Bobo Kodorianda. Lambra Baba Bakiria Darababa Satarianda. Cheto romo satara baba baba karianda rama shiriende. Setere baba baba karianda rama masarianda. 
Lombro kotorio dola baba bakari andara mashiri ende. Sotorobo bobo kotorio dola mashari ende. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, right now, right now, Father. Rombo bobo kotorio dola baba satari anda. Shendiri mama mama satara baba varianda. The name which is above all other names. Sidiri baba baba kari anda na mama shari anda na baba kari anda. Robo bobo shatara mama mama satari anda na baba kari anda. Seto robo shatara baba ramanda. Oh Father. Who desires the secret place? Come on, let me ask a serious question. Who desires the secret place this morning? Who desires it? Come on. Be honest with yourself. Those who desire the secret place. I'm just going to ask you now to raise your hands in prayer. And we're going to pray a different prayer. Those who truly desire the secret place of God. Light and truth is going to hit you. It's going to hit you so strong. That this week. You're going to have to pay attention to the light and the truth that's coming to you. I want you to take a book. A pen. And I want you to write down thoughts that come to you this week. I want you to give. God needs to arrest you. And when he arrests you with a thought, a random thought, God needs to see if you'll be responsible with what he's saying. Write the thought down. Notice I didn't say the thought has to make sense. First of all, the word comes. You write it down. It might be a scriptural verse. It might be a thought. It might be an, an inner impression that you feel. It might be about you. It might be about somebody else. It might be about, I don't know, something beyond you. Write it down. That's the first thing. That's called capturing. Capturing God's voice. And you have to be attentive to capture God's voice. So if you leave home t- or you've got a phone, you can put it in your phone. I know you can, dic- you can uh, use your phone as a dic- uh, dictaphone. You can type in. You might not need a pen and paper, but for those who don't use phones, take a pen and paper. The next thing is, once you then capture it, you ask God to send you light and truth to explain it to you. And you keep pushing in and pushing in and pushing in until God begins to give you more light and truth. And you may open your Bible and say, Lord, lead me to some scriptures. And what you're doing now, you're showing yourself as attentive, as one who can be trusted to be led. And if you can be led and you start saying, Lord, keep showing me, show me, show me. Keep asking the Lord to show you. Surely goodness and mercy will lead you and it will follow you if you show yourself willing to be responsible with what God is saying. So those who want to go in a secret place, just raise your hands. I'm going to release. I'm going to release light and truth. Father, I stand, Father, as, as the man you've given me the message. Father, I've distributed, I've discharged your word. And Father, I now commend these people into your... your uh, Guardianship. And Father, I pray for your people. Open up their hearts to receive you at a whole new level. I pray for the light of your word and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost to, Father, fall upon your congregation this week randomly, supernaturally, suddenly. Immediately, randomly, suddenly, supernaturally, immediately, your word and your truth will lay a hold of your people this week. When you sleep, the word will be sown. When you rise, it will come to mind. As you walk in the day, it will suddenly arrest you. 
like a bird landing on your shoulder, God will whisper into your spirit. And at that point, capture it. Give it immediate attention. Oh, Father, right now. Right now. It's going to happen, folks, this week. Some of you are going to hear some outstanding things. Because the Lord is about to lead you to the dwelling place. God's going to show you how to get out of where you are. And to get to the next level where, you need, where he wants you to be. He's going to lead you out of trouble. He's going to lead you to his presence. Why? Because his unfailing love is towards us. So Father, right now, seal this word. I pray, I pray right now, Father, protect your people from the foulest snare. Protect your people from the foulest snare. Let no deadly pestilence, let no thought, let no evil act come against your people, O oh God. Protect your people by the name you gave us. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a stand ovation. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Father.